Longhorn Nation, we're back! Welcome back to another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah, and this is Fire the Cannon. Welcome back, everybody. So we have lots to talk about today. We're going to recap the Texas at Kansas State game. The season is now over with the Kansas game canceled. We'll talk about that, and we'll give our Texas Bowl predictions. Lots of people have put their input on where they think Texas is going, so we'll talk about that. Will our coach be back? We'll talk bigger picture with college football around the country and make our game predictions for the weekend, what games are still happening. And, of course, we have to give our opinion on the Edinburgh player who assaulted a referee. I know. We we have to talk about that. Okay, so how's everybody doing? Megan, how are you? Excited you don't have to drive to Kansas? (laughs) Yeah, a little relieved that I don't have to make that drive twice. I will say, you know, I I always want to watch Texas play, and I was excited about seeing the Horns play in their icy whites in the snow. Mm. That would be fun, but everything else about the trip I was dreading. (laughs) I didn't want the fast turnaround and, you know, the – the long drive and driving in icy conditions is never fun. And then freezing is never fun either. So, uh, you know, a little bummed, but more relieved. I guess that makes me a bad fan to say I'm relieved. But, you know, it was a pointless game. It was a pointless game. And I think it was going to put our players much more at risk than they needed to be. Uh, Kansas as a state is not generally – the most COVID free area right now. So, you know, there's that nerve too. And it wasn't going to change big 12 standings or, you know, our bowl out or eligibility even. So yeah, I, I I think it was the right call for sure. What do y'all think about it? Um, the only reason I'm like, uh, it would have been nice to get like some of our backup QBs that could very, very, very potentially take over for Sammy next year, some snaps and some like real game experience. But other than that, I'm with you. It, it's too big of a risk. It, uh, like we saw Kerstetter last week, it, injury risk, all of those things. And we have a shortened time frame between like now and when our potential bowl is. Let's go ahead and just get ready for the bowl game. Now, one thing, though, that I did laugh about with a friend of mine earlier is that, Mega, we were laughing that you would probably be the only Texas fan in the stands besides parents, besides some Scott Wilson, too. And maybe Scott would be there. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it was. uh, And parents. (laughs) I actually got to meet uh, Cameron Dicker's parents last weekend, and they are super duper cool. So, yeah, we we ended up sitting pretty close to each other and, and chatted most of the game which was insane because, and we'll talk about this a little later, the, the atmosphere at K-State was just bananas. It was very weird, very weird. But Rocky, you, you have some really big news in the family. Yes, we have two things. One smaller thing is we have a new puppy, an adorable, sweet, cute rescue puppy. Well, the mama was rescued and she was pregnant with seven puppies, and we now have a new puppy in our family. But way more importantly, my dad has been fighting lung and brain cancer for a little while now and he that's my dad ringing the bell at uh, baylor scott and white and round rock and they've been amazing and it's been a roller coaster ride but as of now my dad's cancer treatment is i think it's done so they have to start like an immunotherapy or something soon and he gets another scan in a few days to see if he's like officially in remission. I don't know yet. So we'll go back in a couple weeks and he's, he's the fighter and he did it. 
Well, and hell yeah, that's so exciting. Like, it's science. It's science so, is insanely amazing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Brain and lung cancer is, that's, the odds have to be pretty bananas and that he went in and kicked cancer's ass. Like, that is incredible. Especially during a pandemic. During yeah. a pandemic. And it took, it. it took a whole community of medical professionals, but it also took a whole community of my family because we have to take turn. He had to go to treatment every day. And we're, yeah. we all work. We all have school. We all have things. So we all, and his wife works. And so we literally took days driving out to him and bring, taking him into town, bringing him back out to where he lives. So it was, um, it took us all and we did it and he did it. More importantly, the doctors helped. The doctors did everything and it was amazing. And Yay. So he's well, that's incredible. That's it's so excited for him. And of course, I can't wait to hear his stories. And, you know, as he gets all hyped up about it, I know he at one point was, oh, I don't want to go. This is annoying. It's too much stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was on some steroids for a while that really and my dad's the most chill, laid back, cool dude. And he was on some steroids that made him mad. Um, but it's not his fault. You know, he was on medicines and the, the medicines were so funky that one time he said, I'm going to cheer for Cleveland Browns. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about cheering for the Cleveland Browns. I was like, daddy, we got to call your doctor and get your medicines. Something's wrong with your medicines because he was talking about cheering for the Cleveland Browns this year. That's that's how you know something. Hopefully that medicine has worn off. (laughs) Worn off. Yeah, it's gone in incredible news and we're all very excited. The video is so touching. Like I knew, because obviously you told me before. But like I knew that he was going to do this, but just watching it and just seeing his little face was like oh he looks back like did I ring it right? Like Heck what yeah. next? <laughs> the best it part the sweetest, sweetest thing. It really Thank is you. awesome. You're welcome. And normally, I mean, normally only one of us can go in each day with him. That's why we take turns. Only one can go into the cancer center, of course, COVID reasons. But right. to ring the bell, they let us go in. It took me, my sister, and his wife. And the best part is down the aisle, everybody's really socially distanced, especially at the cancer center, very socially distanced. And when he rings the bell all the way down the long hallway, people are clapping and cheering Aww. and the people behind the because anytime somebody rings the bell, it's a big deal. And that's it's a happy, amazing. it's a happy moment. So that's great. I, that's it, was, it was good. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad we get to have your dad and his sass for many, many more years. That's yeah, he's, he's definitely the reason I went to Texas and the reason I'm a Longhorn today is my daddy. I think Love that it. all three of us can say that. Yeah. I'm Very cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, so moving on, definitely uh, let's jump right into K-State. It was a weird game, weird atmosphere, weird <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, you were there. Yeah. Tell us about the atmosphere and the drive. Yeah. And- I'll tell you, I've been to that. I've, I have horrid, horrid flashbacks of being in Manhattan because, as we all know, Texas has struggled there mightily uh, in the past. But we are now on the longest win streak uh, in Manhattan in Texas history. So that's thank you, that's Sam Ellinger. Right? Um, it was bizarre. So normally they they stuff, put the uh, visiting fans in the end zone. You're really down, pretty close to ground level, really far down in the end zone. But this year, uh, they have new renovations, which they've done a lot of improvements to that stadium. So that end zone that they normally have the away game fans in, are, are they've expanded the seating way up. There's a new field house behind it, kind of like Moncrief was uh, for us for a while. So they moved the fans, actually, the, away, the visiting fans, up to the upper deck in the nosebleeds, of course, 
uh, kind of down in the corner. But if I'm being 100% honest, they were better seats. You could see more because you're you're on the sidelines versus in the end zone, right. and you're high enough up. You're high enough up to to have perspective. The really weird thing is K-State is usually a very loud stadium. Their fans show up. They yeah. get loud. They're, they're pretty loyal fans. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you on a number of occasions, it was just like you could hear a pin drop there. And, yes, it's because K-State wasn't doing very well, and they did a really good job with social distancing. So it was kind of funny because even though we're up in the nosebleeds, I was 100% confident that they could literally hear every word that I was screaming or yelling or cheering. Right. And, you know, we like to think that we contribute as fans and clearly they can hear us no matter what, but this is the first and only time that I've actually believed that they can legitimately hear me. Herman mentioned that. And one of the first things he said in the post game press conference was the fans, we heard you. Yeah. I mean, it was, and then you said Megan, Well, if you heard the obnoxious, (laughs) yeah, the obnoxious female voice, definitely that was me yelling, but you know, we got Texas fight going and it, of course the cheerleaders below us could hear the K-State cheerleaders. And so every time we'd start Texas fight, they would try to start a little cheer, but we were louder than them at that point. It was just, it was weird. It it was great, but it was weird. Um, You know, and with the curse that are injury, my God, I've never heard a stadium that that deathly silent. I mean, it was, it was pretty shattering. We could hear him yell when the injury happened. You could hear him scream on the field and, um, went, went deathly silent. And they, they brought that cart out pretty quick. I mean, and it was quite enough that even up in the nosebleeds, you could hear the cart rolling along going out. I mean, it, it was crazy. I've literally never like you knew it was a like major injury. Like, yeah, it was, you know, of course they weren't going to replay that in the stadium. So we didn't know what had happened. And so I was reaching you know, out. They didn't replay it on TV either. And normally well, they'll replay an injury a hundred times. Right. You know, like Prescott, what, they, that was a gruesome injury, similar dislocated ankle. Right. And they replayed that over and over. Fortunately for the college student, they didn't. I will, I will hand it to Fox on this one because Rocky and I were obviously watching at home. Um, Fox came back from a commercial break and I think it was Joel Klatt that said, uh, Derek Kerstetter is down. It's a major injury. We will not replay it again Mm -hmm. on TV. And everybody was like, thank God. Like, at least they were respectful enough, but he was like, because it is, it's, it's gruesome, but our thoughts and thoughts and prayers go out to Kerstetter and, and then they went back to a break because it took a while. But at least, thank God, they didn't replay it there. And yeah, thank goodness and, his parents were there, right? His parents right, were there. Right, right. And, you know, of course, there was a bunch of speculation on what had happened. Um, but I, I got to say, you know, there's been a ton of question, especially among the fan base. Oh, has is the locker room together? Is this still a team? You know, you have some players opting out and, and whatnot. I will tell you, those players ran out to Kirk Setter. I mean, they went out there. They stood by him. They were standing by the cart. It, a few of the linemen actually helped lift him on the, once mm-hmm. he was on the board, they helped lift him onto the cart. And then the whole team came out and walked with the cart out, man. It, it was a really powerful moment. Uh, but I will say it, it was affecting the team. I think it was pretty obvious that you could see that that really shocked a lot of the team. And they came out and were pretty flat right after that, after that injury happened. You know, Texas was up, I think, at that point by 
three scores. 31-10, I think, at that point. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty legitimate lead. And all of a sudden, you got this feeling that, uh uh-oh, K-State might maybe have a whisper of a hint of coming back. Uh, So I'm definitely glad. Right. They had just recovered the fumble, which is why they had the ball down on that end. And um, couldn't get nothing from it. Everyone looked disheveled or disoriented, um, out of out of sorts. When they were, this was a, seven minutes left in the second quarter, mm-hmm. and they went for the field goal. Uh, Dicker, the kicker, missed it, and he never missed. Like a thirty yarder, missed it. K State had the ball, got some points, and then they had Texas gets the ball back, and they punt, and th- everything that they had going just looked they were just out of sorts. Right, their mind were distracted. So this is Herman saying at halftime what he told the team um, at halftime about being distracted by the cursed or injury. Here you go. That's what I told him at, at halftime. I said, guys, Derek's going to be okay. And he would be so angry. He would be so angry if he knew that, that we were, um, you know, playing like this because we were sad for him. Uh, we, we've got to go out and, and we've got to um, – you know, play the same way we played to start the first half and, and into the second quarter. And the guys responded. They, they knew. They, they, they knew that that kind of took an emotional toll on them for a minute. And uh, they, they kind of gathered themselves at halftime and uh, kind of re, refocused and, and uh, came out in the second half much the way they did in the first half. When they came back after that, I guess, speech at halftime, Five straight possessions for touchdowns. The sixth possession was a field goal. So Pretty incredible. Incredible. Pretty incredible. Dicker the punter did not <laughs> make an appearance until pretty far into the game, which yeah. was a good. nice change for this season. It like, was. It was you know, and it's it's funny. I'm I'm gonna sound like a typical Texas fan here, right? Never well, never uh, able to enjoy the the happiness. It does make you go, oh God! I mean, it felt great. yeah, it, it had it felt great with the with the blowout win, and granted, it was against a K State team that maybe isn't in their best year, but felt great to walk away with that win. But it does just kind of kick you in the guts and go, geez, where was this team? Where where had this play been? Uh, you know, and there was a lot of uh, rotation with with Ingram sitting out we had now two feature backs and didn't have to do necessarily the running back by committee as much. And I do think it was successful. Oh, was it successful? It was successful. Hold on. Let, let me just say Bijan Robinson, 172 rushing yards, nine, nine carries, only nine. So he was averaging about 19 yards per carry. This is the wild one. And I saw Rod Babers post this uh, yesterday or today. Five yards average after contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, As a Texas fan, this has to make you a little bit turned on. Like, <laughs> like it is it is beautiful to watch. It is like, oh my gosh, he's like, yeah, I bet this kid could walk on water. But like, it is so exciting. And I'm, I mean... I love Keontae Ingram, but with him sitting out, transferring, whatnot, like it did make that rotation a little less complicated. Yeah, it took the equation out. Yeah. And, and, and Rojo had a great day. He did. Yes. 142 yards on 14 carries, three TDs for Rojo, three TDs for Bijan. And I think, like what you were saying, um, Hannah, I think this was 
unfortunately, Keontae is injured, and dividing the carries between three players was a lot. We do want them to be fresh, but we want them to have a rhythm, and we want the hot hand to go. But Saturday, we had two hot hands, right? We had two two solid running backs that were getting yards after contact, that were going forward with the ball, that were making good decisions. Fortunately, they could run a bit, get a rest, and the other was a hot hand too. They were both producing but Bijan was the star. He was electric. Agreed. I don't even know. There's probably so many adjectives you could use, but like just electric. I mean, the, the one, the one play, it was, I believe it was in the third quarter where we thought he was down and he yes, just, he used his hands out of nowhere. Just coming. And he was gone yes. down that sideline. It was crazy. Well, and, and look, I, I will make this argument. Bijan obviously is a true freshman and had we put him in this kind of rotation at the beginning of the season, I don't think he would have been this successful. Right. He did need some time again, especially not having that off season, especially not having the strength and conditioning. I don't think the stamina was there. I just don't, uh, you know, so different speed, obviously going from high school, no matter how good you are, right. High school to college period. Like, right. Yeah. And, and that's something that Tom Herman did mention. The game has finally slowed down for him a little bit. And, and you're seeing the benefits of that. You're seeing that come to fruition, which is, which is great. It leads me, leaves me very excited for next season and for the bowl game and what we're going to see out of Bijan. Um, but Rojo too, I, I don't want to take that away from Rojo. I mean, no. he was the perfect one, two punch yes. uh, to go to compliment Bijan. I mean, where he kept that defense on their heels, they didn't, have an answer for either one. If they bottled up Bijan, then Rojo was there to take over Mm -hmm. and scamper the other way. You know, I I think it was a really, really potent punch um, and one that Texas hasn't seen in a while, man. I I mean, Rojo had an outstanding day and it's been a while since a Texas back has had like over a hundred yards rushing in a game period. And Rojo well exceeded that on his own. It's just, that happens to be that Bijan, like, even more exceeded that. So, I mean, Rojo was was spot on, too. Like, he had an A-plus game also. Bijan just has, like, that that sparkle, that weird it factor. Yeah, he's like, got that it factor. And, and I've got to say this. There were times watching Bijan run, he reminded me of Jamal Charles. Light enough on his feet that he could dance around, but still powerful and freaking fast. Like he'll put his shoulder yes, and he'll knock I, you on your ass, I, and then he'll be gone and nobody can touch him. He's a generational back, in my opinion. I mean, yes, you know, I he, think a lot of in my opinion, like he's a thing. hybrid, a Jamal Charles Cedric Benson hybrid. Like he just makes freakish things happen. Like, like like a cat, like so shifty and just so like. How did you stay on your feet? Yeah, you should be able to do that. Like. Yes, and if we're we're giving running back love, we have to also give running back love to Deuce Vaughn. Oh my yeah, God. man. K-State's Deuce Vaughn. Round Rock Kid, and of course the TV media, they're going to say, well, why did he leave Central Texas? Uh, Bijan. But <laughs> not a back that, that is designed to do well in a system or at a school like Texas. K-State exactly. is the perfect fit perfect for a player like for him. Yes. Yeah, I, for I mean – he can be the big fish in a slightly smaller pond. No disrespect to K-State, but it's a different level, right? And he fits in that scrappy under – I mean, my yeah. God, Jordy Nelson, you know, <laughs> he did well there. <laughs> Who was the other uh, running back that they had a few years ago that was just a short little dude but was ripping us to shreds? Oh, It'll man, everyone? <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. 
Yeah, but, but I mean, K-State really likes to feature those undersized backs that just they hide drive. behind the O-line and then bust through out exactly. of and just yeah. They get behind those corn-fed white boys, right, and just bust through, <laughs> and then they're fast and hard did. to stop. So, yeah, I mean, he was, he was an exciting back to watch. I hope that Texas does well with him in the future, against him in the future. And, you know, as a Round Rock kid, I went, I went to Round Rock High, so got to wish him some luck, Good right? Job. Like to see him do well. Well, but, the, one, um, the one thing that did worry me about their run game, K-State, was that their second best running back, as far as stats, was the quarterback. So they had this quarterback that decided to run almost 100 yards on Texas on Saturday. And that was, that was a bummer to see <laughs> their quarterback drop 99 rushing yards on Texas. But um, the scoreboard, the scoreboard was, was pretty solid. 69-31. Yeah. Nice. Can't complain about that. No, the defense had some discrepancies at times, but we still have to remember this is a first year defensive scheme for these guys. And like we've seen steady progress it was frustrating, but, but, you know, Deuce Vaughn is super talented and they adjusted when needed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this too. I was really proud of our O-line. We knew it was crazy mess, you know, Cosme sitting out and Kerstetter being shifted over. He's the only player that's now played at all five positions on the line for us. Um, and of course you hate to see that injury, uh, but I thought they held up really well. They gave Sam time to make good throws. They gave Sam time to see the field, um, you know, and those short little dump passes where those high success, you know, high completion rates, that was really working for Sammy. Then we had a couple of bombs. And once he was able to get that rhythm and get settled in, you know, we saw Eagles step up and have a great game. Epps even had a, a spectacular catch. I mean, it one reception for one touchdown. Listen, man, I'll take <laughs> I'll it. I'll take it hundred percent. And, and here's another stat that I found. I saw this during the game and was shocked by this. Mm -hmm. K-State was the first Call a uh, college touchdown for Bijan, you know. And thinking of that, I'm like, man, I that all year he had right. scored. It did. It just caught me off guard. I was like, that doesn't sound right. That, but the more you think about it, you're like, well, yeah, he wasn't a red zone back for us. He was the workhorse in the middle of the field, yeah. and then Ingram yeah, and Rojo would be put in. I, I, it was surprising to me too. I'll say that. Like listening at home, like, oh, that's his first collegiate touchdown. I was like, no. Yeah, I could swear he had game one eight, game nine. Yeah, I could have sworn he had one um, against UTEP. So. Yeah, no, I mean, again, surprising stat, but happy to see that rolling. Uh, and the defense, too. We had some guys really step up, uh, you know, with Caden Stern sitting out. We had, what, three three picks, was it? Right, yes. I think yes. two interceptions and one fumble recovery. One, yeah, I mean, the defense was hungry. They were eating, you know, seeing them along the middle of the fields where Stern should have been. Uh, just eaten, man. They, I loved it. I, I was happy to see that excitement. We had the young freshman in that was uh, ready to Thompson. roll. Yeah, he was yeah. ready to roll and, and, and came in there. And I, I thought it was a solid performance on both sides of the ball. Again, you would have liked to see a similar game plan against the likes of ISU, and we might be in a very different position uh, that today. It gave me hope for the bowl game. It gave me hope going on. But you know, again, not to be Debbie Downer, but we've been in this position before. We've been hopeful at the end of seasons and then disappointed later on. So I'll say this about Tom Herman's trajectory. He has not let us down in bowl season thus far. Yeah. Three and true. 
That is true. Three and zero in bowling, and, and three and zero as underdogs. Three and zero wins. As yeah. underdogs, right? You know, when we're talking about the defense, I was really impressed, and I like what Chris Brown is putting on tape. Uh, being a senior, right? He's really putting some good stuff on tape. So he led the team in tw with twelve tackles, contributed to twelve tackles, and one pass breakup. I love what he's putting on tape for his senior season. He he got some slack early for you know being a little too cocky when he did one thing, but. He overall, like collectively through the season, he's put some good stuff on film. And I think that's going to show well for um, NFL draft scouts. Um, I hope it does for him because he's solid over the middle. And I also was impressed with Jalen Ford. We were worried about the linebackers. He contributed to seven tackles and a tackle for loss. But I'm worried about Jawan Mitchell. Well, now it doesn't matter. Does his yeah. suspension. Does he sitting out? He, yeah, he has to sit out the first half now of the bowl game. Yeah. If, yeah, because of his uh, targeting penalty. Although I will argue that, look, I understand by the book, if the intent is there and he's leading with the helmet, I, I get that you have to call targeting. But man, he didn't even hit the quarterback. His shoulder he hit his, his own player. He hit his own guy, you know? I, he targeted I, his own dude. Like The targeting rule continues to bother me throughout football. I, it's Number one, nobody can figure out what the hell it looks like. And number two, it, it just seems that every time there are these circumstances and normal hits where five years ago this would have been considered just a great play a great hit right yeah on tenacity now you know kids are getting punished for it I, I don't well, love it I understand keeping players safe I understand the helmet to helmet issue um but you know right. I, I think things like that I think it's impossible that deserve it. it's impossible to be able to determine intent right and yeah when you start line. when yeah. you start officiating on intent that that to me, right. is well, really and that's the thing. Line. That's the thing about the targeting penalty, like itself, is like you can't help if the dude, like, if his head's low and then he pulls his head up, and you're coming in and you're like going balls to the wall and you helmet to helmet him. Like when you were going in, your form was correct, but he decided to move at the last minute. Like that's an unfortunate thing, in my opinion. But sometimes you can tell somebody is like just being vicious and mean, and it doesn't happen often. I will say that, but like. It, I, I don't know about y'all, but from my perspective, a lot of these targeting calls are like iffy at best, at best. They're like, eh. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I mean, some I of them are blatant and I agree. Again, I understand erring on the side of caution to keep player right. safety there, Absolutely. but I think it's difficult to start saying, well, he, he meant to lead with his helmet or he, you know, I, exactly. If the shoulder hit him. People shift or turn or start to go down or right. also, um, I think everybody who leads with their helmet to try to tackle should get flagged, but <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. You, you definitely have to don't, do don't leave with helmet. your head to tackle anyway, but well, so the season, the season is wrapping up, right? Because Kansas, Megan, you don't have to drive to Kansas this weekend. Thank God. And you were about to get right back in the car. Um, so we have um, bowl season now. And there's a few predictions. Let me know what your thoughts are. But there's a few different people, CBS Sports, um, Sporting News, 247, Bleacher, that all have Texas going to the Texas Bowl in Houston, New Year's Eve, against Arkansas. I don't know why somebody would say Stanford. Isn't this always a Big 12 SEC game? Somebody it put is. Stanford in there. Yeah. Um, or Mississippi State. And we'll get to this in a minute, but LSU, <laughs> who's not <laughs> going to be. We'll get no. to that in a bit. <laughs> What do you think about Texas playing Arkansas or I don't know why they put Stanford, uh, Mississippi State? 
well, you can say Stanford just for shits and giggles, but um, yeah. I mean, I'd love to see it. I, I hate Arkansas with an undying passion and people, you know, might call me out on this, but I hate Arkansas more than I hate OU. I hate Arkansas more than I hate A&M. For me, Arkansas is the most hated team just because I think the program in general has always been embraced kind of that trashy side and that, oh, that yeah. you know, dirty side and, and getting away with as much as you can. And that goes back to the Southwest Conference days. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, even before that, I, I mean, Arkansas and Texas as a state generally have a pretty big rivalry going on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my mom, when she was in the band, would tell stories that they would have to fuel up on the Texas side of Texarkana for the Longhorn Band's bus because they could not stop in Arkansas without getting assaulted or getting the bus vandalized or stuff like that. So, you know, and I've seen that follow through with, with baseball games recently and football games recently. I just, so I'd love the matchup. I'd love the opportunity to beat the shit out of Arkansas. Uh, the last time and this year we lost. would. This year we would beat the shit out of them. No 59 yards of offense this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. We might you get know, that on one carry by Bijan. By Bijan. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to erase. Yeah, I'd love to erase that previous Texas Bowl memory against Arkansas just out of my brain forever. Oh, it was awful. I like the matchup. And I like the matchup. I think Texas matches up well against Arkansas. You know, again, wow. they're they're a little down right now, obviously. Uh, but They're as down as they have been. Yeah, but I mean, seeing seeing even the new kids come in. I mean, Jake Majors stepped up in a big way. He did uh, on the O line, and I'm excited to see what he has to offer. I think mm -hmm. he creates a lot of space. Um, he hit his blocks. He in he followed his guys exactly like he was supposed to. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought Majors did a great job, especially for such a young player. I'd love to see that, and yeah, of course, I'd love to see. Uh, Bijan and Rojo just go out there and have a day of it. Oh, and Jake Smith. Oh my God. Like he had, he, he's, he can be freakish too. Let's just talk about that. He is so yeah, I mean, Jake being, Jake is versatile, you know, and he's another one of those shifty players that you don't see him, you don't see him. And all of a sudden he scorches you for 70 yards. And you're like, oh, you know, I do think that'd yeah. be, that'd be great to watch. But again, Jay Witt really stepped up. This is the first time we've seen him healthy in a long time. And Ever? he had a solid like, game. And he got his touchdown, too. That was on that reverse. Yeah, he did. You're right. Oh, I that forgot was, about that. Thanks that for was his that. first touchdown, too, with that reverse uh, Rojo to Jay Witt reverse. Yeah, because he okay. had surgery in the middle of the season last year. So he's been, like, kind of in and out. But, like, good for him. Good for Jay Witt. Yeah. Well, last time Texas played Arkansas in the Texas Bowl, our friends were visiting from South Africa. So we bought, like, eight tickets, all went to the game, and it was the worst night ever. And oh, we yeah. froze outside for the tailgating. And then we watched the most horrible game. And we had to explain to them why Arkansas was cheering another name, not their own school, when they were beating us. It was awful. They were like, <laughs> yeah, that's it was stupid. I'm like, I know. Like, they're cheering for their conference. Like, he's, they're like, like that's what's so stupid. That? I'm like, I know. Okay, other terrible. option, quickly. We'll go quickly. Other option, Cheez-It Bowl. A couple ESPN, College Football News, yeah. Yahoo Sports. A lot of people have us in the Cheez-It Bowl, either against NC State. Isn't that where um, offensive coordinator? Tim Beck. Thank you. Yes. Tim, Beck. Tim Beck's at NC State now, right? And yeah. up for one of the top awards. Or Mac sure. Brown's North sure. Carolina. Um, I think the worst thing for us right now would be to play Mac Brown, just period. Like, we've already backed ourselves into a corner regarding the coaching situation and all that. And I think that it would just be, 
the worst thing in the world to go in and Mac Brown just take us to the woodshed because that is very likely to happen. I see. I disagree with that. I think Texas is still a better team. We've got more talent. I'm not discrediting anything that Mac has done at North Carolina. I mean, he's done an amazing job and he's recruiting his ass off like he always does. But I still think when it comes down to it, especially with Herman's bowl record and preparedness, I just think Texas out talents North Carolina at this oh, point. I think if you agree, like Matt has had like two good recruiting classes, no doubt. But we've had uh, we've. We, I mean, our arsenal is pretty deep now. That said, you don't think Mac Brown's going to personally be up for this game and get Mac Brown's up for every game. I don't, I don't see this as Mac Brown doesn't lose the games he's not supposed to lose, and then he makes stuff happen. Disagree with that statement. So, I mean, look at our last few seasons. There, there were plenty of games. Okay, I get you there, but we also have agreed on this podcast that like he needed a break. He was, he was. Yeah, no question. Look, I think he's doing a solid job, but I think his roster. Even if he coached them well for our roster compared to our roster coached well for that game too, which Tom Herman does for bowl games. He does. I would I would think we would go in favored for once. I think we and would. we would win. Yeah. I, I'm not if, if we played NC or NC State. Favored. Okay. Hear me out on this. I don't think we wouldn't go in favored, and I'm not saying we wouldn't win. But I would just rather avoid that situation altogether, a potential yeah. situation. As a fan, I don't want to have feelings about about it either way, right? Like, I don't want right. to go in and have to play like, against like, that yeah. because I, I don't I want there to be, like, some in the background, like, other incentive or whatever that could hang over it. You know what I mean? Like, feeling, not like it would be, like, with Arkansas, but, like, you're playing your coach that you ran off and you haven't yeah, been a whole lot that doesn't affect this team. That, this team so didn't play for Matt. Yeah. I get you know, that. it would be a fan saying. thing versus a team. Again, I, I think Texas would go percent. into that game. Texas would go into that game, and I think it'd be close in the beginning, but ultimately Texas out-talents North Carolina. That's just how it is right now. And I, I, I think Texas walks away with a pretty easy win. You know, just, just – I mean, we're going to be either – you said NC State, Rocky. I think we would handle them solidly anyway. Same. Too, so, yeah. Yeah, NC State right now. And again, it's ironic that a bunch of former Texas coordinators are all up for national awards this year. <laughs> which again, they found, their, they like found their spots. Claw my skin off. But yeah, I, you know, again, I think Texas matches. They, they just out-talent. Uh, it's a good matchup, but it, Texas out-talents them, and I think that's a big win for Texas. Okay, so if that is the bowl game, one of these bowl games that Texas predicted, is that going to be the last game? Coach Tom Herman is coaching at Texas. I don't know, man. I, you know, it depends on the day, right? We're, we're such a fickle fan base and we all have opinions. And it's been kind of funny watching a bunch of folks backpedal now uh, that it appears that the, the Urban Meyer thing is done. And look, I, I drunk angry tweeted after the loss at ISU that I was miserable that we were about to hire a coach that that I didn't think had the morals and the, the character that the University of, Detec- of Texas deserves. Um, so I'll step back on that and saying it obviously didn't get done, but I will stand by my guns and saying the deal was done on the Texas side. There's no question. Right. It was done and offered several times. It was always in Urban Meyer's court and for whatever reason, he turned it down. Uh, you know, his health had to play a pretty big factor in that. Um, but you got to wonder too, if just the atmosphere that is created at the Texas job 
everybody wants to call. And yeah, there are a lot of bonuses and upsides to, to coaching at UT. Um, but I don't think this is the dream job that everybody wants to make it out to be. Certainly not with a guy uh, like Urban, with a winning record, you know, of a coach like Urban Meyer. He's got skin in the game. He's, he's won national championships at two different, uh, two different schools and personally like him or not, agree with his morals or not. Um, he's one of the few available coaches with a resume that lives up to the Texas thing. Yeah, but, like he could definitely get it done. His resume is solid. He's yeah. clearly, he clearly can do the job and do it well. Yeah, no question. But yeah, he turned it down. And so to me, this is something that Texas Brass needs to take a long, hard look at. Why does a guy, why do coaches in the position of Nick Saban and Urban Meyer why are they turning down these crazy multi-million dollar deals uh, that would be the largest in, <laughs> in wow. college football history? Uh, there's a lot of other factors that go into it. You know, the culture is pretty toxic at Texas right now. It has been for a while. And I think and that's just coming to a head. Yeah. It's just too much. It's not worth it. Like, I don't, I think guys like that with resumes like that, they could get hired anywhere they want. Why put up with the bullshit at Texas? Well, why? why deal with 19 Jerry Joneses being your boss versus one BMD or one AD, you know? Let's think of it in these terms. So Tom Herman has gone on to bowls and he's undefeated in bowl season at Texas. Um, He's about to do it again. If we go on and we win our bowl game saying, assuming we play a bowl game, we were about to fire a three loss coach. Yeah, it would do that. And again, if you take the name off of it and you take the emotion out of it, Herman's taken some strides. He's taken Texas to a place exactly. that they weren't at before. Um, he's done and a lot of good. 2020. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of arguments to say, you know, he had us in contention for a Big 12 championship the second year. He, he had us, uh, you know, again, assuming we win 4 0 at a bowl game. There's been steps. The, <laughs> the winning percentage wow. is getting there. Um, certainly not as fast as Texas fans want. And I will say this, I'm not thrilled with him. Let me ask all this. If you had to grade Tom Herman right now, uh, you know, a number, just a letter grade, what would you rank him? What would you give him? If I had to go off grade just 2020 season or the whole four years? Whole, whole four years. Okay. I would give him a solid B. All right. Solid no, B. I mean, my like, first thought was B minus. Yeah, you know, Rocky, that's, I had answered that question earlier. I said B minus. Again, I think he brings a lot to the table. He changed the culture. He got a lot of balls rolling that needed to get rolling at Texas. Got us, you know, started getting us caught up. Um, and then 2020 happened. So I'm willing to give the guy, I, that was a super long way and roundabout way of answering Rocky. You asked, do you think we have Tom Herman back? My answer is yes. If not, I mean, it's an awful situation that, Chris Del Conte has backed him into now mm-hmm. and you almost feel like he's a lame duck coach. Right. But looking at it, Herman's done a lot of good for Texas and tell me who the alternate is. There just aren't any good options. In your opinion, all these names that keep getting brought up, Dan Mullen, Brian Kelly, none of them are like substantial enough. Like in my opinion, they're basically lateral moves. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, you know, Urban Meyer is the splashy hire. I'll give you that. I will give you that. But these guys, it's like, I mean, you're still gambling. 
you're not obviously going to like not throw in the same amount of money as you would Urban Meyer. Then they know that these guys know that. And so they're not going to, because they don't have his resume. So they don't have his resume. But again, is it worth a $25 million buyout to bring in a mole? During a pandemic. Yeah. During a pandemic to bring in these coaches. Yeah. I just, I just don't. Nobody else makes sense. So yes, we're keeping Tom Herman, except for now. Like, can you imagine being Tom Herman? staying here and be like oh well they they didn't want me i'm staying around because the other guy didn't accept like listen i'm not worried about tom herman tom herman's got enough ego to to walk in that room with the deal with its sunglasses on and swagger i don't think there's any more pressure on him this year than there was you know or next year than there was at the end of this year i think it's the same pressure cooker he's used to that Uh, i will say he gets an off season with his coaches exactly he gets an off season the thing that's going to hurt us the most, in my opinion, is recruiting. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen a couple of players jump ship because of the instability uh, at the head coach job and at the head coach position. Um, so that'll definitely hurt. But again, Herman's had some solid recruiting classes when he's here. And we've got a, y- a lot of young talent that I think will be all right stepping up. We can skip. I shouldn't say skip this year. We're still going to pull in some, some decent recruits, finish at 15th, 14th, 13th, maybe. Um, but then develop the guys that we have, you know, I'm, I think there's an opportunity for that. Uh, I will say in my opinion, though, this was the first big stumble we've seen from Del Conte. Um, you know, I think he kind of showed his ass and was outmaneuvered on, on several, several different levels with this particular faux pas, uh, didn't keep things quiet. It was just real sloppy to me. What are y'all's thoughts on CDC right now? I think ADs are judged by, like a lot of people say, their top three hires, right? The big three, men's basketball, men's football, men's baseball. We talked about this last week, but Shaka, you know, kind of got saved by COVID. (laughs) Um, And whether or not people think that or degree, you know, that kind of put it, like you said, Hannah, put like a pause or on his, on the the Shaka drama. He had some momentum at the end, but yeah. Yeah, but that put a pause on having to make a tough decision. And then I think COVID lit a fire under having to make a decision about Tom Herman because we didn't because they didn't get the full off season because they didn't get they had new coaches because all these things we didn't get a full season it, everything was up there was just craziness this year accelerated the exposing of what Tom Herman is is not was didn't make the year happen when everything looked like theirs for the taking right yeah, it was, it was lined up it was, no question there you couldn't have, you couldn't have stacked the dominoes ready to fall in a line any way better than senior qb all these recruits five-star running back all these things coming in um but yeah cdc is going to get judged by how he handles not just how he handles t- the out taking taking out the current coach but bringing in and this has just been almost an embarrassment of i agree everyone knew oh, urban meyer was being courted heavy Throw the checkbook at him. Our big ass, you know what's at Urban Meyer. And my my only little asterisk by that would be, if Urban Meyer shows up at another school next week to coach, then Texas looks really, 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 really bad. Yeah. Urban stays on TV, chilling, working a few hours a day for the next five years. The thing is, is like we went in like guns blazing, think that oh, thinking like so like arrogantly, oh nobody's gonna turn down Texas money. We can like write you a blank check and like. We can throw a checkbook at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to turn us down. We can get them. But guess what? He did. Like, and so. Something money can't buy. My my concern is that this whole ordeal 
has ended up, and I hope not, but my worry is that it, it's ended up doing more harm than good. It's been very destructive. 100%. There's no question there. There's like, no question there. We tested the water. We showed our asses. We got turned down again. We flirted and went home single again. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's a bad look for Texas all around. Um, you know, I, I do think Tom Herman is capable of turning things around. I just don't know that, that, <laughs> that he that's going to happen given the circumstances, you know, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see a turnaround and Texas win the big 12 next year. I think that'd be great. But the concern that I have with CDC is now you have a bunch of unhappy staff members inside of the athletics department because you basically told them their jobs didn't really mean much. And I'm going to raise money, even though I cut your pay. Um, he's been dodging questions left and right within the athletics department with that. So you have an AD that, that is maybe pissed off the folks that work under him and missed on a big hire uh, and made a mess of that hire and your current head coach in the meantime. I, I think, I don't think it's enough to put CDC on the hot seat by any means. No, I'm not calling no, for no, his no. head, but, but, but this was telling. And I think it's a mark that we're going to, you know, look back in two years and say, this is, this is going to be a pivotal point in his career at UT. Yeah. Um, and, and where he goes from here. I think it's safe to say, just like the head coaching job at the University of Texas is, is, is very unique and it's got its own set of extreme stressors and whatnot. Not ever, it, it takes a very special person to handle it. It could also be said for the athletic director, the University of Texas. And CDC is learning that right now as we speak. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he knew like that. He's, he's into, seen but the but I will, I will say this too: there's no other AD in the country that makes near what he's making. No. So, but I'm saying, like, if we had to give a percentage of what we, I know it's affecting recruiting, it's affecting donors, all these other things are are snowballed into it. What percentage chance do you give that uh, Coach Tom Herman is kicking off with the team next September? <laughs> I'm going to say 85, 90% yeah. at this point. I just don't see there being any solid replacement that makes sense for the money it would cost. So 85, 90%. I'm going to agree with Megan. Um, I think that if we go on and maybe lose the bowl game to whoever it may be, um, that percentage goes down a bit. But again, any of the other like prospects that are being thrown out there, it's, it's, it's too much of a lateral move in my opinion. Why would we throw excess money away for something that's not guaranteed? Right. So especially if we go on and win, I think it's going to be, yeah, at least 90, 90%, if not more, like, because there, there's just nobody else. Rocky, what are your thoughts? I agree. Somewhere in the 75, 80% range that it's Tom Herman again next year for all the reasons. It's pandemic year. It's kind of almost an incomplete grade for this year, even though he did have a senior quarterback. And um, yeah, I, a lot I, I would, if I had to put money, I would bet Coach Herman is the coach next Can I say September. this? Okay, honestly, I don't think Tom Herman's demise was 2020. Hear me out. I think it was 2019. Everybody expected that Sugar Bowl win to like, like launch us into this like spectacular 2019 season. And it, failed short and in a lot of ways this year has been more successful than last year I, I see bright spots on both sides of the ball I know you y'all do too so really it was because like we had to live through the disappointment of 2019 that put him in the predicament that he's been in this year yeah I would agree with that I, I think the Sugar Bowl win was fun and it was an awesome win for the program but I do think it set 
you know, donor expectations, fan expectations, you know, national media expectations. It, it, it put it in a very different place. We've all seen flashes of what the team is capable of. And I think, and I would agree with that sentiment, Hannah. Like, I think it is frustrating to see what the, the team is capable of and then watch them not live up to those expectations of what we know they can do. Well, because, I mean, the two teams that are going to play for the Big 12 title next week, I guess it's next week, as far as 19th, we know. 19th, yeah. As far as we know, um, both are two lost teams. The whole conference is feeling the effects of 2020. Yeah, and I agree. There, there were no, with the exception of a few games, you know, Texas at K-State being one of them, there were very few blowout games this year. It, it, it wasn't, that wasn't a common thing. That being said, um, yeah, Texas only lost their games by a total of, I think it was a total of 10 points. If you take, yeah. I, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy low number. Yeah. That being said, Texas only won their games by until last week, <laughs> a few score, you know, I, it's yeah. so in that sense, you know, I, I miss the days that, football games were boring to watch because we were beating the absolute dog shit out of everybody that we played. I miss the playing Colorado and beating them 70 to three games. I miss that error. So that's the expectation for Texas fans right now. We've talked about this on here multiple times. I've voiced my opinion ad nauseum on this. I think Texas fans need and myself included need to reset that expectation level. We are not a school that has had that history. We've shown flashes of brilliance. We are a blue blood. We are a consistent program. But that being said, aside from a few decades in Texas football history, we haven't been insanely dominant consistently. So with that in mind, I think we need to kind of take back that we're Texas attitude, step it down a notch and earn it again, you know, get to the point that we earn it. Agree. And as much as I hate Oklahoma, they blow people out all the time. All yeah, the time. I mean, they, they're they a better program than we are right now. Yeah, There's yeah, no they're in a much better shape. Like, yeah, um, irritating as it is, maybe we need to focus on, like, not being national contenders and playoff contenders, but, like, let's, let's just win our conference. Let's at least play for the damn thing more than one fluky year. Yeah, I mean, I think I, – I certainly think we need to take a baby steps approach versus a – eat the whole elephant. And I know that's hard all after at once. 10 years, but whatever, it still needs to be done. Yeah. All right. So, so conference on. championships. That's about a great, That's a great transition um, to the craziness of the Big Ten. So their conference championship came before they had everybody in the Big Ten needed to play six games to be able eligible for their conference championship game. And now, because Ohio State only got to play five, they changed all the rules. Yeah. So the Michigan-Ohio State game is canceled this um, weekend for the first time in like 100 years or something. That's and so like now Ohio movie. State, they had a meeting of all the Big Ten board people, and they decided that, oh, we only need – we don't need to play six because Ohio State would have been in even if they lost to Michigan. Oh, my God. Listen, God. I don't and, – and I screamed about this at the beginning of the season – and, and y'all laughed at me and said, nah, that's not going to be a thing. I was yelling that, do you think that a five-win Ohio State team that's only played five games has any business being in the playoffs? Well, this and, time I have six. Yeah, look, I'm just saying, my issue with Ohio State, it, it's not – I think they are deserving. I think they should be in the playoffs as far as talent goes. But I think it's bullshit when you start changing the rules to suit a, one specific yes. team 
because they're your best bet, right? I, I, that feels pretty gross to me. So I don't love it. I feel terrible for Indiana because Indiana to me had all the trappings of a team that could have beat Ohio state. I mean, they only lost by what seven points when they played them. So had that been a rematch in, in, in the big 10 championship, I, I don't know, man. And I, we know I how repeat games, like uh, playing the same team twice in a season usually go. Like Right. Uh, there, it, There's just so much in the air. And while I don't disagree in saying that Ohio State uh, is probably the better team and probably the most deserving of being in the playoffs, I firmly disagree with how they came to that conclusion and just made the rules willy-nilly at the end once they learned that Ohio State wasn't going to make that cutoff. I think that's total bullshit. Especially right. when they set themselves up for failure with this squish short schedule with no time for well, well, remakes. Okay. Yeah. And so talking about just bullshit scenarios and kind of batshit craziness, how about LSU coming out and graciously <laughs> saying that they are going to self-impose a postseason ban this year? Three and five LSU is taking the humble and very noble route of self-imposing a ban. Y'all, what are your thoughts on this? If we could all be so noble. <laughs> what a great example they're setting for the young athletes stepping up for their NCAA violations. And really and stepping in when it makes it. They're difference. about to be three and six after they play Florida this weekend. And they self-imposed, really, they weren't going to be there anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, this is such a hollow action to me. Hannah, again, jump on in. What do you got? Because I'm agreeing with everything that you're saying. It's like, it's like if Kansas right now, and of course they're like probably celebrating that they don't have to play us this weekend that we canceled. Oh, we're going to go ahead and sit this postseason out. We're not going to go to a bowl game. You weren't going to go to one anyway. Right. It's You're not kidding anybody. You're not saving face. You've called, if anything, you're calling more attention to the fact that you sucked this year. <laughs> and screwed up. Yeah. Well, I, well, yeah. The, best, the best part was their, their official statement. This decision reflects LSU's commitment to compliance with yeah. NCAA regulations Thanks and maintenance win. of institutional control. Yeah, well, I would agree really? with it. It reflects their, I, I would agree with that statement in that they don't take it very seriously. Yeah, right? exactly. I'd have to agree with that. You know, Coach O, just fresh off, he's definitely got some goodwill for him, right? But just fresh off the national championship, but... How do y'all feel about him as a coach? I, I think this was going to be a trying year for him no matter what. It was a trying year for everyone. But I don't know, man. I feel like some of that shine is starting to come off of Coach O. How about y'all? Like he definitely walked into a like the optimal of all optimal situations. And we saw that last year and how that happened. I don't – does Coach O really know how to develop a team? Does he know how to build something from the ground up? I don't think, I, e, e, skeptical, we're going to go with the word skeptical on that. Like, I don't see any evidence in like his previous like ventures as a coach, like that would suggest that he can. So his team definitely didn't improve each week. You know, that week uh, no, improvement no, you want to see. At all. Like, yeah, They're not improving. So that leaves a big question mark. Yeah. And again, we all knew there was going to be a drop off with as many players as they lost. But like but, this though? Whew, this is, and I think I mentioned this before, but this will be only the third team 
in college football history to win a national championship and then have a losing record the next year. So that's, that's a pretty, pretty lofty bar, or I guess I should say low bar <laughs> to live up to, which is, which is pretty crazy. So definitely a little weird in uh, down in death. Valley, I do think sure. it's pretty, pretty Aggie of the Aggies to boast about the fact that, Oh yeah, well, we came back and we beat LSU. And I'm like, hold on. Have you checked out their record? I don't care if they're the reigning national champions. That's not the same team that you played. So Agreed. you don't need to brag about that. Agreed. Well, and, and to that point too, and kind of back tying back into the OSU situation, I think A&M is a deserving team. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at a five win uh, Ohio State or five game Ohio State uh, versus a Texas A&M who's played a fuller season against pretty stiff competition – man, I got to look long and hard. Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of Texas fans are going to be happy that the Big Ten decision is keeping A&M out of the playoffs, but I don't, I don't hate the Aggies in the playoffs right now. The I, I only, think my only thing with that is, is that they do have just one loss, but their one loss is by a pretty significant amount. Yeah, there's that. There's that. That's, but, that's my one, like, eh. By a team that's even better now than when they played them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. clearly Alabama is going to be in the playoffs. Like, they're probably going to win it all again. So Yeah. I mean, there's that. There's that. But I don't know. I, I think the argument – the Aggies have a fair argument in saying they've played stiff competition uh, and, and have fared pretty dang well. Certainly better than A&M has done in the past and in recent memory. So I do feel like A&M got, got stiffed a little bit. Uh, with that particular situation but moving on Rocky you've got scores and uh, games coming up do we want to throw in some predictions for college football yes so exciting matchup we talked earlier about facing Mac Brown well Manny Diaz is facing Mac Brown this weekend we'll get right into our picks for this college football games number 17 North Carolina they are seven and three they go to number 10 Miami, 8-1. and one. Vegas has Miami winning by three at home, so they have them evenly matched if they're only giving them a field goal. Uh, what do you got? Man, I got to say, ah, this hurts me to say, but I, I think I'm going with Miami on this one. I, I just think they show up, play a good game, and I think they take it by more than three. I and agree. I th I'm agreeing with Megan. I think that they take it by more than three, but less than seven. It's going to be yeah. close. Yeah. Rocky, how about you? Um, only because I, I feel good about North Carolina's defense. I'm going to say North Carolina actually goes in there and pulls the upset. Um, I think Manny Diaz is going to be a little nervous facing his old ball. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. Um, I only threw this one in. We normally do top 10, top 25, or Big 12. Megan, I threw this in for you. Michigan State, <laughs> battle of the two win teams. Oh, Michigan God. State at Penn State. Penn State, and this is why I threw it in because it shocked me. Penn State is favored by 15 points. That feels fair. No, that feels fair. Right. At Penn State, that feels fair. Again, look, Michigan State, I love them, uh, but they are not a very good team this year. Now, that being said, Penn State certainly has not lived up to expectations. Um, <laughs> man, Bye. I don't know. It's in Happy Valley. I'm, I've, uh, you know what? Why not stick with my terrible record? I'm going to be the homer. I'm going to take MSU by four. Why not? What? Let's do this. <laughs> Anna? 
Why not? not it's terrible anyway. I'm going to go for an MSU-like record in my predictions. So. Oh I haven't my seen God. enough from Penn State to think that they're just going to come in and just like run the table in this game. So I, I go, 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 go Spartans. I think go the Spartans are Yeah, I love it. I'll be I a homer it. too. I'll be a, yeah. <laughs> I have Penn State winning but not covering 15. Yeah, All right. I, I, I think that's probably fair a fair assessment. Okay, Texas at Kansas. We were favored by well, 30, but that game is not happening. Oklahoma, West Virginia, not Oklahoma. happening. OU was favored by two touchdowns. All right, so two games that are happening this weekend in the Big 12 as of now. Oklahoma State, number 22, Oklahoma State at Baylor. Oklahoma State's a five-point favorite. Seems kind of low. See, that's, that's weird to me. But I then I they went like, into PCU and lost too, so. Well, there's that. Oklahoma State has been such a hard team to pin down. Yeah. Uh, you know, they at one point were ranked number six. Texas came in and took it. Man, that is a hard, hard team. I, I'm going to say Oklahoma State. I just think Baylor's a bad team this year. Uh, so I'm going to say Oklahoma State. I think they cover the spread. I think they win by at least a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Oklahoma State by 10. I agree. I'm in that same 7 to, 10, 7 to 10 range. They do cover. Okay, this is interesting. Louisiana Tech is coming to TCU. They're both five-win teams. Five and three Louisiana Tech, five and four TCU. TCU is favored by 22. I'll go first and say I don't know why they're favored by 22, so I think Louisiana Tech at least covers. Man, again, I'm, I'm terrible at this game, but I, I'd say <laughs> – it's at TCU. Yeah, I mean, I think Patterson comes in. He's going to have his guys ready. I agree, though. I mean, I think TCU squeaks it out, but I don't think they cover by any means. TCU is just there, unless they're playing Texas. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a provoke. Unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, I think TCU is going to win. I'm not sure they cover the spread, but they're going to win. All right, so we all have Law Tech covering. We'll talk about this again next week before the actual big game. But as of now, Vegas has OU, Iowa State Big 12 Championship. Uh, Vegas has OU as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I will go first and say they cover um, and win big. Their Rattler's on a roll. The offense is clicking. Defense is fine. Um, I don't trust Purdy in a big game because we haven't seen it. So – I'm gonna go Big Twelve. I'm gonna go Big Twelve champion is again OU. I'm gonna agree. Unfortunately, as much as it sucks, we've just seen that annoying thing that Oklahoma does when they're you know in a big game like that. Unless it's a playoff game and like they blow the other team out of the water. As much as I want the other team to show up, I think Oklahoma's gonna win by at least ten. Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna again, once again, be the contrarian. I think oh. ISU pulls it off. I, I do. I hope you're you know, right. I, I think OU is a little suspect. Yeah, they've gotten a lot better. Uh, they've certainly shown a ton of progression through the season. That being said, as much of a star as I think Spencer Rattler is going to be, I think he's still questionable. I think he's still a little inconsistent. Um, you know, going in playing this game, I, I think that ISU has a solid chance of coming through. They're gonna come in pumped up and, and fired up. I'm going to give it to ISU, and I'm going to say ISU pulls it off by three. That's going to be a good game. No matter what happens, that's going to be a good game. It is going to be a good game. I think that they're both – I'll say this. I think that they're both, like – they both deserve to play in the Big 12 championship game, for sure. Like, especially the end-of-the-season play. Like, they improved very steadily and, like – noticeably throughout the year so I think that they both 
Texas improved too, but only marginally. Yeah, I'm, I just think that that Iowa State, I mean, last year they went into into Norman and barely, barely yeah, right. lost to OU. They had a huge fourth quarter, barely lost to OU. The final score ended up being 41-42. So then I think, I just think ISU and Matt Campbell has the right stuff. He has the seasoning to beat OU. I think they finally put it together I for something that, meaningful and they take yeah, the Big 12 championship. It'll be interesting watching bowl season, no matter what happens in this championship game, um, where Iowa State ends up in the bowls, because no matter what, like, conference champion or conference They could get a New Year's bowl, Six Bowl. They, they could. And mm-hmm. honestly, like, I would put them up against, a, let's say, like a Florida. I, I'm just throwing somebody out there. Mm-hmm. You know, or a Miami. Yeah, 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 I would absolutely do that, and I think that they would have a fair shot. Like, I don't. Ooh, that'd be fun to see they're they're up at the scrimmage line of scrimmage against flashy Miami. That'd be fun. It would be fun. Let's. I mean, it won't have the TV ratings that the bowl games will hopefully. No. but I think it'd be a hell of a game. That's for dang sure. It'll be good. It'll be good. I, I don't think that the Big Twelve overall, like top to bottom, is as horrible as it looks. Twenty twenty is going to be. Yeah, we'll just keep blaming 2020 and pray 2020. that 2021 well, and honestly, comes. Honestly, you look at the other conferences, you've got like the ones on top who are like light years above everybody else, but then everybody else is in the same situation we are. So at the end of the day, the two, like you said, the two best teams are in the championship game. The two, so. the two playing the best football right now, complete package, I think, are in the championship game. Okay. And that's all we can ask for. It all and works it's itself out when we all play each other. All right, moving on. Ready for a super smooth transition? So talking about kicking ass, we have to talk about the Edinburgh player that was charged with assault on a referee. Literally, literally kicking ass. Yeah. What are y'all's thoughts on that? We all saw it. We kind of the hit heard around the world, certainly around the sports world. Um, Okay, so I'll I'll recap for the people who may not uh, be familiar. So last Thursday night, senior defensive lineman Emmanuel Duran, he plays for Edinburgh high school. He was just recently the district defensive player of the year. He's a kicker and a punter too, and a wrestler. And apparently he's had trouble in soccer too with referees. So he was ejected for from the game. And then he, from the sideline, charged onto the field and just, just took out referee Fred Garcia. Um, because he was ejected, he was mad. So the police had to escort him from the stadium. He was charged with assault. The Texas Association of Sports Officials called it vicious and deliberate assault. So then Edinburgh ISD removed the high school from the playoffs, even though they won the game that night. Um, They issued an apology. He's charged with Class A assault, and he was released on bond, um, Duran. But then they said um, some of the players are petitioning, like the the district shouldn't have removed him from the playoffs because they still won. Like, why are you punishing the whole team? But UIL said they would have removed them anyway, too, as punishment, even if the district didn't do it. So I guess our question is, should the whole team be punished for one player's actions? Megan, go first. Because you were... Oh, I got chewed out for this. I I understand the sentiment that it was one player's actions, um, but... To me, yes. I I think it's the right call, certainly because this kid has had trouble like this before. Certainly not to this degree, but he's clearly had issues with refs before. He's clearly had anger issues before, and it wasn't addressed by officials. It wasn't addressed by coaches. It wasn't addressed. um, It hasn't to this point been addressed. So in my opinion, yeah, that's, that's a failing on the administration's part. It's a failing on his coach's part. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a way to teach accountability. It sucks and it hurts. And 
I hate it for the kids that didn't do anything wrong. I do. I hate it. But, um, you know, hopefully this is a really hard ass lesson to be learned on how to be held accountable that your actions affect other people. And if those really are your brothers that you're playing for, and those really, that is your team that you're playing for and your individual actions took the entire team out, hopefully the consequences from that finally get through to this kid and teach a lesson. That's my thoughts on it. Hannah, how about you? Oh, totally agree. Um, the, uh, just the absurdity that he came from the sidelines. He wasn't even on the field playing. Came from the sidelines and just decided, A, like he'd never, like he'd never suffered the consequences of his actions before, clearly. So there's nothing within him that says like, oh, I'm going to be reprimanded for this and I'm not going to get away with it. So it was about time. Is that what we want to showcase for our young children is that what we want like american sports culture to become i'm glad i'd argue it already has well <laughs> agree agree though but this this gives me like faith again in humanity and that like no there's there's no reason to put up with that you can be a great athlete but you still have to be like a good person and we could go on to into it over and over but like the urban meyer thing and like what you allow i think that is the bottom line like yeah. what is allowed and I agree. It, 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 accountability on all parts. Rocky, what are your thoughts? Um, I agree completely with you, Megan and Hannah, that this is an unfortunate learning lesson for everyone. And something about the culture of that program or the environment or what they allowed, like you said, Hannah, enabled this kid. And he's, an, oh, I say kid, he's an 18-year-old. He's, he's 18, so he's going to charge as an adult. Enabled this young man to lose control and take the game of football as an opportunity to violently assault an official. And the culture should teach them that the officials are respected. They're listened to. You may not always agree with them. They're humans. They make mistakes. But the last thing you would do is run out and be violent to that official. The disrespect for the sport, the disrespect for the, for the position, the disrespect to his teammates, the disrespect to the other team, you know, everything about that was just complete disrespect for that game. I hope he learns his lesson. I, it's unfortunate that the whole team had to go down with him. It, like you said, it's sad. It's sad that everybody had to learn with him and, they, and everybody else didn't do something wrong. But the culture of that program contributed to this moment. And I hope he learns his lesson. It's not the end of the world for everyone involved, right? But I hope he learns his lesson and he's gonna have to face some serious consequences because he violently assaulted another person in front of hundreds of witnesses for, yeah. because he couldn't control his behavior and the team won. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a big, big consequence to be paid, but you know, hopefully it gets through and hopefully that young man turns around. I, I definitely hope that. Yeah, one thing I do want to say, kind of a shift in gears here before we sign off, definitely appreciate y'all's thoughts on that, but um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the passing of Coach Fred Akers um, this year, uh, just recently. Coach was, uh, you know, by all accounts, an incredible man, a great coach, but also a, a better human, um, and if not for but a couple of plays, uh, he he came very close to bringing two more national championships to the University of Texas. Um, again, great coach, great man, uh, and, and the University and Texas Longhorns have, have lost a pretty big, pretty big name and pretty big personality. Um, so our, our thoughts and our hearts go out to his family and all those that knew him. Yeah. Yes, condolences to his family. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, ladies, that is a bit of a somber note to end up on. The good news is that we have quite a few weeks now to rest, relax, get completely irrational about Texas football again before that bowl game. And cheer so, for Texas basketball in the meantime. That's I love it. I love right it. Now. Five Stop me up some, some bas- men's basketball and women's basketball too. They've been, yes. they've been yeah. rolling. They played the Aggies the other night and got yeah. it tied within a minute or so left and couldn't finish. It was a close game. Uh, they hung in there and they showed a lot of fire. Um, I definitely, I'm really excited to see where this new coach will take women's basketball. I think there's going to be some excitement around, around women's basketball for the first time in a long time here. Rocky, what do you think? I'm, I'm excited. They, I think that they had to dug themselves a hole early. It could have been a more competitive game and they could have even won that game. So I hope that's a learning lesson from them because they were off track early. But I'm excited. The men kick off against Baylor this weekend. That's um, a hell of a game. Baylor, what, number one, two slash one in the country, by far picked to win the Big 12. So this is going to be a great test for them. I don't expect them to go in and win this game, but I would love to see them show some fight and maybe pull the upset. Why not? Why not, Texas? I wouldn't call them to win it, but I'm sure going to cheer for them. Won't put money on it, but we'll be happy when it happens. Yes. <laughs> Hannah, what are your thoughts on I have zero expectations up? about men's basketball this year. I have big expectations. They look yeah, good. I, I, I got to say. Best. Don't get me wrong. I want the best. But, like, as far as, like, what do I expect and, like, what – is going to transpire. I have zero idea. They've come out like a lot hotter than I thought that they would. I don't know if it's the shock of hair factor. We don't know. It's the hair. But they're it's doing the hair. good. And their one loss was against a very formidable opponent. So again, no disappointment for me so far. Let's just hope that they keep the momentum up. Yeah, I love it. I mean, we're seeing players again, like Kai Jones, man. He's stepping up. Rainey's wow. having having a solid little season. And our one yeah. and done, Greg Matt, Brown. I know it. Matt Coleman, I mean, he's been incredible. He's really been putting up numbers. Um, would love to see Andrew Jones, AJ1, step up a little bit more. I think, you know, but with, with a full court like we have, I think Texas, for the first time in a very long time, is cohesive in a way that they have not been. So, I'm excited. Rocky, I'm with you. I got my expectations unreasonably high, just in true Texas fan fashion. God damn it. It's the final four or nothing. Oh, no. I have us one of the tournament. Probably oh. make the round of 32. Final four I'm not or nothing. No sweet 16 picks, but <laughs> I have us winning a game in the tournament this year. Yeah, I love it. We will win a game in the tournament. We will make the tournament. You know, we'll make the tournament and we're going to win the first game. We're going to be in the 32 competing for sweet 16 spot. I'll tell you, I think we, I, I do think we make the Sweet 16 this year. I, that would that's, be sweet. That's yeah. where I'm going to hold. I, I do think that that we are a talented enough team and good enough team to make that. Um, you know, the Vill- Villanova game was great. We've, we've beat some really good teams, and our one loss was to a very, very talented team. So, yeah, I'm going to say Sweet 16 or bust. I, or I think bust. I I'm going to wait to see the matchup. <laughs> yeah, right? There you go. All right, All right. Well, well, good job, ladies. Thanks again for joining us. As always, I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. And we are Fire the Cannon.